This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 11th chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On this All Saints Sunday, I cannot help but think about Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown and his wisdom of good grief. Because, you see, grief is good. Grief is normal. It's how we respond at the loss of a person that we loved. It's natural for us. We were made to love and therefore we have it ingrained in who we are to mourn the loss of those loved ones when they pass on. And grief is necessary because it's through that process of grieving that we continue to live, that we continue to celebrate those people who we miss in our lives until we join them in the heavenly kingdom. Indeed, grief is good. And every person and every community has their own ways of grieving. And I've seen that as the pastor here at St. Paul the last four and a half years or so, the ways in which we as a community grieve here. I've been invited into those very sacred spaces of grief, which is one of the most humbling and honoring things that I do as your pastor. When I look around in those spaces and recognize the truth that quite often I am the only non-family member there asked to speak, asked to listen, asked to weep alongside of you. It is the part of my job which I truly am the most privileged to carry out, and I'm thankful for your trust in inviting me to share that with you. And that invitation literally, literally began with moving day. The moment I pulled into our driveway, the day we moved in, I received a phone call A phone call of grief at the loss of a loved one. A voice asking, are you my pastor? 
and that realization sinking in that, yes, I am, and today we will grieve together. This is what our community has been, and in so many ways, grief has defined my ministry here with all of the people, all of the saints who've walked before us these past few years. But what's been challenging the past two years is that we haven't been able to grieve the way we're used to. This is called complicated grief. You see, we as a society, we as a culture, we as a congregation have these mechanisms that kick into gear when we begin that grieving process. And because of the restrictions of this last two years, we haven't been able to gather to work through that process as individuals or as a community, at least not in the way that we were familiar with for the years and years before. And we are grieving a lot together. As a country, we are grieving the roughly three-quarter of a million people who've died because of COVID and the millions more that have died worldwide. And we grieve that we can't even gather to grieve, that our, our gatherings to celebrate the saints before us have been limited in scope and number. And I think that's why today is so important for us because as a community, we are able to gather to both grieve as well as celebrate. And we do so hearing the story of Lazarus and his own resurrection, his own entry into new life through Christ. And I think what's interesting about this Lazarus story, it takes up 42 verses of John's gospel, but two Two verses actually talk about the resurrection. The other 40, the other 40 create narrative space for the processing of grief and trauma. And that's exactly what's going on. For example, Mary and Martha, who, believe it or not, share almost verbatim their words of grief in this traumatic moment at the loss of a brother. They say those words I hear all too often, if only, if only, Jesus, you were here earlier, then this wouldn't have happened. If only you could have prevented it. And in moments of trauma and grief, it's natural for us to do that, to do that if-only game, and it is a terrible game because it places undue blame on ourselves or those around us because we have nowhere else to turn. If only. I remember the traumatic event, the first car accident I was ever in. Out in front of the house, mom and dad, I'm sure you remember that, yeah. Wasn't even moving, and I got sideswiped. And sure, the 87 Chevy Beretta never drove again, but it wasn't about the car. My parents were so graceful in the way that they forgave that. But it didn't stop me from struggling to forgive myself, because you know what I did for months on end? If only. If only I didn't have to go at 10 a.m. to drive to Walmart to get that University of Iowa shirt I had to have because I just accepted that place, then I wouldn't have done this. If only, if only, if only. We do this to ourselves all the time. And the truth is this today. Jesus doesn't prevent accidents. Jesus doesn't prevent grief-filled moments. Jesus doesn't even prevent death. What Jesus does do, though, is Jesus comes to us in our moments of grief and comforts us and reminds us that death is temporary, that death is but a fleeting moment 
and a larger story of eternal life, eternal life in the presence of God and the saints of all times. Jesus comes to us in our grief as Jesus today in our gospel himself grieves. We are told that he is greatly disturbed at this news. And then Jesus weeps. And I think he's weeping for a variety of reasons. I think he's weeping because he's lost a person that we are told he loved dearly. And again, it is natural to grieve those that we lose and loved. I think he's grieving for himself because he recognizes where his destiny will lead him, that he will suffer himself, and it grieves him to know that the cross is what lies ahead. And I think Jesus grieves because he recognizes the truth and the difficulty of the separation that death causes us as people. The loss is the separation. That's the struggle. And I think that's why Jesus grieves today. But the unique thing is this in our readings. We get to see the God who grieves with us and the God who stoops to wipe the tears from our very eyes when we grieve in our reading from Revelation this morning. And I cannot decide which of those gods is more poignant and more powerful for me today. The one who cries with me or the one who comes in the midst of my tears and wipes them away like a parent with a child. One of the most intimate things you can possibly share with another human being. And the joy is this. We don't have to choose because our God does both. Our God weeps and grieves and cries with us while also assuring us that there is life yet ahead, that death will be no more, Revelation says. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more because the first things have passed away. And it's because Lazarus has passed away that Jesus is grieving here this day. He's grieving because the stench of death is lingering in the air. Because the vestiges of death are still clinging to his body. And it's in that sacred space that Jesus speaks words of power over death. He turns to the community that's gathered, the very community that carefully wrapped that body for proper burial, and says, unbind him, let him go. It is a communal act this morning of experiencing new life, of experiencing resurrection. The community gathers together and follows the instructions to be unbound. And I think that's our task here today, to engage together as a community who gathers to celebrate, to mourn, and grieve the saints of all times who have walked before us. And we do it with simple rituals, it's the lighting of candles. It's the tolling of a bell. It's the reading of names that helps us to name our grief as a community. That necessary step to life. But we're not just celebrating the saints of past. We're celebrating the saints of present. You and I and all of us who have been declared saints unbound from sin, unbound from death through the waters of baptism that unite us together with the saints of all times and all places. We are celebrated this day as we eat and as we pray and as we sing and yes, even as we cry. Because today we may cry. 
They may be tears of grief and sadness. They may be tears of celebration and, and recollection. It could be all of the above. That's our task as a community here today, to be reminded that death is no more. Death is not final, but a temporary stop in an everlasting life in God's love. And while grief in the moment may not feel good, I am thankful for the God who is good. The God who is good and grieves with us. The God who is good and wipes the tears from our eyes. The God who is so good that through God we may come to finally experience good grief. Thanks be to God. Amen.